Live from Las Vegas, this is the Wayne Coy Show. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Aha. Well, well, well. There is no hockey game tonight, Chris Collins. What's going on? No, there's not. No. This is no. weird. Well, uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, found out that they are human in OT. That's why there's not. Or mm-hmm. there wouldn't even be tonight anyway. So it doesn't matter. Florida's home. Enjoying yeah, but things. We but, don't care about that. Well, it's brutal. Let me tell you. I've been there a couple of times where they're at right now. And emotionally, it's absolutely brutal. You know, you want to be, you know... You want to be crazy and fired up like fans are, right? When your team like I was just like two minutes ago, yes, fired up. Yeah, yeah, like you were fired up. Fired. (laughs) (laughs) It's a radio joke, folks. Nobody (laughs) uh, can. But you're not. Let me just tell you, you're not. The best thing to do is sleep and not answer your phone. That's pretty much what everybody does. When it comes to June and you're still playing. So, um, yeah. And uh, this is interesting. I told you privately that I thought that uh, game four would be the toughest game for Vegas to win in the series. It's it's actually in my notes. Yes, you did say that. Not for any fault. It's just um, Dallas has got a veteran team. And it's going to be tough. I know Pabs. And he scored the winner last night. You know, I mean, Pabs is one of the smartest players i've ever seen get onto an ice rink okay. how many how many years in uh, in san jose for him how long was he there oh boy i think they drafted him in the 03 draft if i'm not mistaken so he's like 12 years and he right? had been there a couple of years when i got back um from seattle when i got back to the bay area in 06 yeah Oh seven. So I mean, he was there quite a, what twelve years or whatever before he went to Dallas. I think the lockout would have been no thirteen years maybe, where he was in San Jose and then went to Dallas. But you know, uh, Larionov, Igor Larionov, and uh, Pavelski are two of the smartest players I've ever seen. And last night, uh, Aiden Hill made an unbelievable save in overtime. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable the save he made. Unfortunately, and I'm. I'm only guessing and speculating here, but I got to believe that Sean Burke, who is the netty coach for Vegas, has worked with Aiden Hill on poke checking with the stick. You have to do that now because the players are so big and they take away all the room in front of you. And when you crowd what we call uh, the house inside the crowded house, are you seriously? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's an Australian and New Zealand thing. I I got you. well, it's I Canadian. Like so Very it's good radio timing. Crowded hosts. How crowded hosts? It's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So when you do that, netties have to make sure if they can get an advantage and poke poke check the puck out. And it looked like last night that Hill lost his stick three or four times in that game. Nothing worse than the last time because Pavelski, you could see his eyes in the back of his head. He turned around and just fired a shot. And when the netty doesn't have his stick. Yeah. Okay. And the blocker side, what we call the waffle board, when he doesn't have the stick there, 
you know, everything is off. Even if it's a player stick, they hand over to them. It, it's it's a it's a hand eye coordination thing, and uh, he had no chance. I mean, Pavelski was going to just rip that shot. And but I you're right. There were saw that there were a couple. I saw two really good saves prior to that. Oh yeah. I mean, they remember they were on the penalty kill, yeah. and you know, as I told you early on. Uh, you don't want to take penalties in the in the playoffs period. Now you can't avoid it sometimes. Overtime, good luck. Okay, I mean you're you're talking about creating a, a real disadvantage. When I was in China, you know we had to rebuild the program, obviously, where I ran the Olympic men's Olympic team, men's national team, and uh, it wasn't easy. And we had a rule which was anytime we took a penalty. The game was, you know, the puck was going in, and if it was an overtime, we were done. Yeah. You know, we never told the players that, but it be, oh, penalty on, you know, whatever, Chen Lee, number nine, oh, the game's you, over. You knew what was coming. Yeah. Take, yeah. yeah, we're not going to get mad at the kids because, you know, it's one of the disciplines you pick up, right? you got to rebuild their confidence. You've, you've got to explain to them why discipline matters throughout the game, but especially if you get somebody into overtime, you want to go in there. You want to put the stick between their legs. You want to maybe whack them on the hands because somebody did something. Don't. Okay. Just suck it up and, and stay with the man. Tie him up. You know, prevent him from getting away. Because that mistake could, could end up and probably will end up costing you the game in, in overtime. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, of course. Uh, and it's only worse at the National Hockey League level. It's the best level in the world. And when you have the best talent playing. So, you know, tomorrow is interesting when they play in Vegas because I, I – I'm just going to say this. I think the key to the game is Aiden Hill. I think um, he's been good. More importantly, they've been good in front of him so he can see shots. He's not like Ottinger where he's had to stand on his head and that failed, obviously, two games ago, and they got yanked out of the uh, the game. But uh, if Hill, you know, is um, you know, something psychological has happened, and remember, these netminders are very, very um, – you know, it's a mental game is what I'm going to tell you. It's, it's a very fine line they cross. And, and who can blame them? Mm-hmm. It's a brutal position to play. It's like playing quarterback in the NFL. When everybody blocks, it's great. Oh, he's the best player in the league, blah, blah. And next week, nobody blocks. And he sacked seven times, fumbles twice, two intercepts. That bum, we should get rid of him. Yeah. It's like, wait, wait, what? wait a second. Yeah. You know, it's a timing issue. Yeah. Okay. So um, I think Hill, you know, if he can keep him in the game, both teams have to be on fumes. The thing that's going to be the difference is if that 18,000 plus is engaged and Hill's in the game, if Hill gets into trouble, I mean, who comes in? 37 year old Mike Quick? Uh, Laner? Clearly, you get on the phone? Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Right, right, right. If they haven't taken the phone away for bankruptcy. So we'll yeah. see. But uh, uh, I don't you think know, you're going to have to question whether the crowd's going to be into the game or not. I mean, unless oh. Dallas comes in and scores a bunch of points early. Yeah, I don't know if you can do that with with a uh, Cassidy coach team anymore. I mean, they, they and to give credit to Las Vegas, it's not easy what they're doing, and it was into overtime. Yeah, and they're on the road. Right. Okay. Now, to me, the naked eye tells me they looked tired last night, but they grinded, and that's what great teams do. Okay, they grind, and guess what? They have a three zero lead. Mm-hmm. And they made it into overtime. And if the penalty goes the other way, they win the game and the series is over. So it's finite what I'm talking about. If people think, well, geez, uh, you're a turncoat. Well, A, I don't have any horses in the race. Right. B, I, I look at it from within. So tomorrow's critical. My my mind tells me that Aiden Hill has to be very good. And the crowd has to get them a couple of goals 
And if it does, the way this team has played uh, and committed to defense this year and committed to what I call net front dominance, where they get low into the house and they dominate the puck, they dominate the defensive scheme that's put in, um, then I think they can win this game. But I'll tell you what. It's the playoffs and anything goes, man. Sure. Especially when you're fatigued like this and yeah, say, but well, I think I, I think they got to win this one though because then it almost gives the advantage over to Dallas, even though they'd still have a lead, right? Uh, I just well, welcome to the playoffs in the National Hockey League. <laughs> this is the way it works. I watched the Sharks one year um, blow a three zero lead to uh, the Kings and they won four straight. And uh, there were a lot of angry people, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them was, was named. The uh, kind of one of them was named Chris Collins. No, I wasn't angry. Look, you... at, I have a rule. Okay, my rule is I only get angry when it comes to hockey when whoever's paying me has a problem. If they're not paying me, then I, you know, my my emotions are for sale. So that's oh, it works. Yeah, well, you harlot, yeah. you. Okay, so yeah. uh, so the sharks. That's not a uh, that's not a tender place in your heart. There's not. There's no. That's not your squad. It's, yeah, I mean, my broadcast friends there. Obviously, I love yeah. Dan Rusinowski. He's like a brother, and Randy Hahn, who's you know great talent, and uh, I have some scouts there that are still good friends. But then they changed everything over ninety percent. So I know Mike Greer, the VP GM. I knew him as a player. He's a great guy. He's very smart. Good guy. Doug White, who's his number two guy. I love Doug White. He played in Edmonton when I was in the league and then I think went to the Islanders. A great guy, an American-born player. He was a tremendous athlete. So I want the best for them because I like those guys yeah. a lot. But, you know, it's funny. It, when you get into the National Hockey League or Major League sports, you tend to start liking everybody. You lose that desire to always, you know, constantly want it to be you. Root you, for your you, team. You yeah, learn yeah. that it's. Yeah, it's a balance of things, right? You have to really roll with the flow, and you can't get too cocky about it because, you know, then you're you're convincing yourself you're jinxing everybody. I mean, everything goes through your mind, right, because it's such a finely tuned machine that has to go the right way. And guess what? Injury, fatigue, that plays a part as well. And when people tell you, oh, well, you know, my team's a dynasty, there was no doubt, that's BS. In the cap-driven world of sports there are no dynasties anymore it's all about how the puck bounces your way how the health bug bounces your way and how fatigue and how prepared and or coaching philosophy and i and again i i go back to what cassidy has done to me has been the most significant thing in coaching this year even better than what montgomery did in boston where they lost seven games and all all credit to the Bruins, another great franchise. But what Bruce Cassidy has done to transform the Vegas franchise into playing right. this type right. hockey right. is, to me, remarkable. Remarkable. Yeah, it's and a thumbprint. Some of my favorite it's a, players. It's a thumbprint that, that he's left on the team. That's for yeah, sure. So far. Yeah. Now, yeah. you'll have to adjust. People are going to adjust to that. That's the way, as you know, in sports. Patrick Mahomes runs around and throws crazy passes from no look and does this, and everybody wants a quarterback that does that, and if they don't, they get rid of the guy they have. I, I think it's ridiculous, okay? but So we'll see. But this they're a tough team to play against, Vegas is, and you don't want to get into seven-game series with you because <laughs> they've got some good players, that, and they're and, good in and all And they're grinders classes, like, you, like you just said. Absolutely they are. Yeah, yeah, they took absolutely. that game and they lost in overtime. That clearly wasn't their best game of the playoffs, but they grinded through it. 
You know, and I mean, they were playing their style. Okay, so the netty loses his stick. He still made a great save before. Nobody freaked out. And then a great shot went by him. Okay, so you know what you have to do? Suck it up. Go in, shower, get on the bus, get on the plane, and go home. Because it doesn't matter. Now what matters is tomorrow night. And you have to. You have to. You have to. That's the way it works. So we can talk about it. Florida, in in the meantime, is just sort of chilling, huh? Florida's great. You know, I, I Paul Maurice, I'll tell you a little story about him, the head coach. He's a wonderful guy. Um, I was in Hartford in 1995 on a road trip. I walk in and uh, uh, the uh, PR guy, who's now the play-by-play man for the Seattle Kraken on TV, Johnny, who's one of the best voices in all of professional sports, he was the PR guy for Hartford. And I go, where's coach? And he goes, well, we fired him yesterday. And I go, well, who's the coach? He goes, Paul Maurice. I go, isn't he like 25 years old? He's a 26. He's the new coach. I'm going to bring him into you. So here I was by myself with Paul Maurice. They didn't have a morning skate. We did. They did. No players there. Here's Paul Maurice. He's 26 years old. New head coach. I go, hey, Paul, Chris Collins, San Jose Sharks. And he goes, he's looking around his room. And I I go, congratulations. And he goes, I don't know. (laughs) I said, I don't know. yeah, was the first words was, I don't know, man. So then he smiles and sits down. That was Paul Maurice. And okay. he's really, really a smart. I'm 26. He was a head coach yeah, yeah. in the National Hockey League. He's gone to the Stanley Cup finals before. He's flipped franchises and made them better. Now he's coached Carolina, uh, you know, uh, uh, Toronto and, uh, you know, Florida and Winnipeg. Just a phenomenal players coach. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's really cool to see him there. And, uh, He's got, you know, legacy talent there. Keith Kachuk's father. I'm sorry. Check that. Keith Kachuk was in the league, and he was a beauty. I used to love to talk to him. He was in Winnipeg and Phoenix when I was in the league. And his son, you know, has been phenomenal in the playoffs. He's been, so far, the the most valuable player candidate scoring these goals. The other day, you know, with four seconds left, he held the puck with eight seconds, waited, walked through one guy, waited, waited pulled the puck back, skated two strides and fired the puck. And I mean, he's doing things that are, that are above. He's doing what great players do in critical moment times. They step up and then they play even better. That's when they go out of body. They describe it as out of body. Like they don't even realize what they're. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you've seen it with Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel doesn't have a lot of goals. Eichel has been brilliant in his own end. He's been brilliant at center ice. He's been brilliant in the opponent's end. He's making sure that what coach wants, coach is going to get, that the system works. He's a high-end talent, and they're just seeing it with Eichel because he had to have surgery, reconstruction on his neck. Wait for him. He's just a young kid. Yeah. So Kachuk's the same way. He's just like his dad. He's a beauty. He chirps at all the other players. He gets guys mad. They want to slash the crap out of him, fight him all the time. You know, he doesn't skate real pretty, just like his old man had his big butt out all the time, skating down the ice, running into guys. But yet, guess what? In crunch time, look who's around the puck all the time making plays happen. So, Dig it. And that, he's not the only one. The, the netminder's been phenomenal. Bobrovsky, who was signed to a huge deal in Florida, and, uh, you know, everybody said, oh, that was a bad signing and blah, blah, blah. And he's a Russian goalie. And all he's done is carry this team on his back, and now it's to the finals. So their story is unique as well. It's really unique, and you know they have every possibility of winning a Stanley Cup, which for non-traditional markets, whether it's Vegas 
or Anaheim or San Jose or Florida is a big deal. Yeah, sure. It's a big, big deal. It's a big deal here. I told you, you can feel it in town. Everywhere I go, I I get the Golden Knights fever. It's a non-traditional market. Vegas, Hispanic, you know, African-American, you know, uh, Caucasian. And and look at it. And I mean, I don't mean to make it a a race thing, but it's important because it's a sport that is Mm non-traditional in Florida. You know, you got the melting pot of South America and Central America. Yeah, they weren't exactly growing up with hockey, that's for sure. Yeah. No, you got the Northeast then that intertwines with it. I mean, it's it's a hodgepodge of everything. So it's it's amazing to see these non-traditional markets there. I I I love it. Okay, I love it. Being born and raised in the Bay Area like you, I love it. We had our seals. We'll never ever forget the seals. Heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, I still have somewhere. I have a puck that uh, I was there actually to go to, I think, an A's game. And mm. I, w- I roamed across, and they were having a, a <laughs> practice. And the player, <laughs> the figure, yeah. player for the Seals hit the, the puck up into the stands, and I ran and got it. And then I ran down to him. Yeah. I'm like, here you go, sir. And he just looked at me. He's like, <laughs> keep the puck. That's for <laughs> you, man. Like, and, I was, and, and then I realized, oh, he hit that up there for me. So that was cool. Yeah, right. Yeah. Shot it up there because you were walking around. The yeah, I was all by myself. Yeah, hanging out in the, at the Coliseum Arena. Oh, yeah. Well, you know why they cracked in that building just quickly? Because there were no rinks in the Bay Area except in San Jose at Eastridge that could host an NHL practice. They would practice at Berkeley at the Ice Arena, which was 80 years old. Oh. And they didn't have any boards. And what it would happen is the players would get mad at Finley. They would skate around. They'd skate there, but they wouldn't let them slap shot. They could only do line runs on the ice and work on on timing for the netminders and just skate. What we call bag practices, where you know you want to get the poison out, get them to skate so much they throw up all over the ice. But the guys would get mad with these skates and they'd start firing pucks and breaking planes of glass throughout the Berkeley Ice Arena. Oh so wow! Finley got mad and said, "No more practices there because he's getting bills sure. for broken windows throughout the Berkeley." So ice he sent them over to the Coliseum then. Yeah, well, so but you never would have ice because you had the Warriors. Yep. So when they had to convert the ice, they had to put the floor in. In those days, it was a day and a half two-day process yeah you weren't going to be able to do it so um that was a problem for a lot of buildings in the uh uh oh we lost chris just like that bam well that was oh there you are i lost you but you're back Okay. Yeah, sorry. So it, it, that was a real problem back for the expansion 68 plus uh, 1968 plus NHL buildings that weren't, you know, cities didn't have the ice arenas, this kind of thing. We they did. They were two, pe- two people, Chris, who have asked what your shirt says. And I, I don't know the answer. So what does that say? My shirt says, dear, this is Terry. Uh, Terry. Terry Fox is one of the greatest human beings ever on the earth. Okay, Terry Fox, if you don't know the story, was a Canadian young guy who had cancer in his leg, and he decided that he was going to live, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he went out on a, uh, he went out and ran the distance of Canada, uh, and lost his leg to cancer, then continued to run, yeah. ran the length of the country, then did it again with, uh, with a, uh, a fake leg, uh, a, basically just a uh you know the the in the old this would have been what the uh, 80s 81 with just a metal rod and a shoe on it. it it's one of the great humanity stories of all time and you can look it up 
uh, on Twitter. I'm sorry, in Twitter, you can do it on Google and Wikipedia. And I give every year, and they sent me a shirt. I mean, he was one of my heroes. He was 21 years old when I was 21, so you were 20. Um, I That's right. A lot we always the let radio. them know I'm younger than you, please. Yeah, you're younger and better yeah. looking. Yeah, yeah. Thank, so thank it's, you. Uh, so it says, Dear Terry, look- to answer the question, Dear Terry, Dear Terry Fox. And then what does it say after that? Uh, yeah, something to do with Canada. Yeah, yeah, it must be. Yeah, how cool is that? Sorry about that. I've been wearing that today. I didn't think about it when I put it. Well, no. But it's really... You, you struck curiosity thing. amongst the viewers that people want to know. What, what he did. What? Okay. Yeah. Now look it up. Terry Fox. I mean, the guy was an, an amazing, amazing story. I want when to say done, there's a movie that's made about him, yes? Yes, there was. Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, it's an amazing it. what he did. I mean, he just went off and did it. Yeah. And then his friends said, well, we got to drive a motorhome. So they borrowed somebody's motorhome and went with him. And, in, you know, Canada's a lot different than America, okay? When you go through these little towns... These little towns are in gear with everything. It's yeah. amazing. That's why they've had the hockey talents developed. It's amazing how these communities come together. One time when I was in Major Junior in the Western Hockey League, I was doing play-by-play for Seattle, and we were on a road trip, and the coach takes us off into this little town in Saskatchewan called Aneroid. Okay? Very religious town. We pull up to a farm. Out comes a mother and father with big plates of cookies, and they give it to us. And the coach takes him, thanks, hugs him, and they, he walks in the bus, and the bus backs up, and we drive away. I go, and the players are sleeping in this. It's the middle of the day, long part, like city-to-city, city, eight-hour trip. Yeah. And I go, what the hell was that about? Who was that? And he goes, that was Patrick Marlowe's house. That was his parents. Wow. Because he played for Seattle. So they knew. And they knew that the T-Birds were coming through, and the coach that coached him, my good friend Don Nackbar, was coming. They said, pull the bus over. We have cookies for the kids. How cool is that? Now, For Americans, like myself, even though I've been in the NHL all those years, I've never experienced that. This goes on in a lot of Canadian towns. It's amazing what goes on. And Terry's run, he kept running, and little by little, word got out in these little towns. And it became a big deal, and it was all about beating cancer. And this guy, in the spirit of this kid... And the spirit of Canada. I mean, I'll tell you what, at the end of it, you, you will not be a dry eye. You will cry. Yeah. It's one of the most amazing stories of humanity I've, I've ever read, I ever witnessed, and uh, I've never forgotten him. Well, we got a and nice long, long weekend, so we can we can dive into the Terry Fox story. We got the time to do it. Yeah. Oh, when okay. we're not watching hockey, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's there. I mean, with the computer now, I mean, you can log in and get it and get your full thing. You'll. It's. We've got we've got Monday off, Chris. So um, I guess Tuesday will be the next opportunity to check back together and see see how things are going. Hopefully by then it's all wrapped up and we're just waiting to. When would they start the finals if they win next Saturday Saturday. tomorrow? Oh, so they get a week off. Well, Florida does. Yeah. Well, no, I'm saying if this thing go if this thing goes six or seven with Vegas and. in yeah, but, Dallas, I mean, that would end Wednesday night. It would be back in, in Vegas Wednesday night. So you go Saturday, and let me just say this. It's brutal, okay? When you're going back and forth, dude, Detroit was in the Western Conference during my time in the NHL. Detroit, five and a half hours there, 555 back to San Jose. And mm-hmm. we did uh, a playoff series two years in a row with them, okay? And they wanted it to be a 2 2 one one one. Okay. Right. I mean, 
it's bad enough to go two hours from Dallas to uh, Las Vegas. Or, yeah. You know, I, I, I know I've flown it before. I forget what it was, but, but that, that that's was a my, lot better. That, that was my yeah. theory with the A's and the Tigers because the Tigers uh, own the A's in the in the postseason. And I said, well, it's look at how long it takes to get back and forth. Absolutely. And, and then the games have to start at five o'clock Pacific time. You know, that's a disadvantage right. for the home team, unfortunately. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that it, and this uh, asshole named Verlander, I don't even want to talk about it. Anyway. Okay. Got a good-looking wife, right? Yeah, well, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we talked to you Tuesday, but you'll uh, you'll keep yeah. us up to date in the meantime. I'll be checking yeah, hopefully in Hopefully it'll you. be over. I mean, I, I can't believe that, that Vegas won't come out tomorrow and, and just pound them. Yeah. I mean, I you know, and, and Dallas has got to be exhausted. They have to be exhausted without playing without Ben. They have got to be wiped out I right so. now. I hope that so. is tough, man. I hope they can't lift their arms. Easy. I hope they're that tired. That's yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we'll let them know you uh, feel that way. Okay, please pass that on. Okay, and listen, <laughs> in about a half an hour, I need you back so we can do this in Spanish, okay? <laughs> I know you're spending a lot of time with, with uh, Mexican soccer right now. So I, I, oh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, yeah. keep you sharp. Espanol. Simon is, eh? There Simone. you go. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you, man. Chris Good Collins, right. he is Adios. Mr. Hockey, and uh, he's told you this is going to be a tough series. He said that all along, and now you've you've seen it come true, exactly what he said. The, the, they're not going to go down without a little bit of a fight, but I think they're still going to go down. We'll find out for sure. Well, not maybe not tomorrow, but hopefully tomorrow. We take a quick break. When we come back, the guy we're going to talk to, he's out chasing ballparks. His name's Michael Stefanski, and the heck is he up to? We'll find out. Hang on. We'll be right back. Koi Show. In times of economic uncertainty and chaos, your money means nothing. You may not even be able to get it from your bank or ATM. And the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down. What you can bank on is gold and silver. Gold and silver have been a reliable and trusted form of currency for thousands of years. Gold and silver have never been worth zero, and typically gold holds its value during economic turmoil. Call the gold hotline now and learn how to protect your money and your assets with gold and silver. And learn how to set up a new IRA or roll over your current one into a gold-backed IRA. Protect your money from the next market crash with gold gold and silver. Call now for your free gold guide. 800-557-7921. 800-557-7921. 800-557-7921. That's 800-557-7921. Jaunty. That's our word for the day. Jaunty. We were jaunty getting into the hockey, and now we're extremely Dr. John Jaunty. The face that you're seeing is the face of an extremely tired man. Not only did he have to fly from Las Vegas to the deep, deep south, but then he had to go wear the world's ugliest uniform outside in the heat, sweltering. Uh, and it's only the first of what is going to be what, I don't know, how many, Michael, how many games are you taking in? 15? 20? 30? You're there for like two weeks. How many games, Mike? Wow. We lost him. He was there the, the entire time that we were talking uh, in our previous interview. And then just like that, 
he's gone. Okay, well, we're going to get together with Michael Stefanski, and I'll just tell you a little backstory while we wait for him to log back in here, which is uh, he is here from Vegas. In fact, we've had Michael on the show before. He's talked about his uh, life in Vegas. And uh, hey, we we cannot hey. now. I can hear you. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. What's going on? Good. You on that uh, pay, pay by the minute Wi-Fi? There is that the deal? <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, so I gave you this big, big build. Oh, hello. What are you doing? Oh, you're going to bed. That's what you're doing. Wow, you guys are literally in your hotel room, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, ballpark chasing, Michael. Can you explain what that is? Well, my my deal is um, going to as many minor league baseball stadiums as humanly possible. So we're going to do, uh, tonight was Fayetteville Woodpeckers. Uh, here we go. The Peckers. That's crazy. Are. Yeah, that's an ugly uniform. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of well, Astros right. looking. It looks like a 70s Astros uniform. It that, does. That's the idea. But I saw this shirt and I'm like, that fits. I got to wear it. <laughs> yeah, the Peckers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so tonight's the Woodpeckers. Uh, tomorrow, um me and Treese and her husband, Mark, and my niece, uh, Katie, and her husband, Adam, are all going to the um, Columbia Fireflies. Sunday, the Augusta Green Jackets. Okay. Monday, the, the Kannapolis Cannonballers. Where is Tuesday, Kana- where, where's Kannapolis? Where is that? Kannapolis is in, it's just north of Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Because the way they split up the minor league schedule now, it's hard to find a game on Mondays. That's because you play travel day for everybody, yeah. Right, because you play six day, six games against whoever you're playing, yep. and then you travel. So that Monday was tough, so I had to drive north of Charlotte to get the Kannapolis game. And then Tuesday, Greenville, South Carolina, where Joe Jackson's from. So I'm going to see the Greenville drive maybe, there. Maybe and you then, can find his shoes while you're there. Is that possible? Um, you know, I'll look. I'll look and see. <laughs> Yeah. Say it ain't so. And then then Wednesday, the uh, Myrtle Beach Pelicans. Great name. And then not sure, not sure uh, Thursday and Friday yet, but then Saturday, the trip ends in Durham with the Durham Bulls. The the team that's uh, depicted in that famous movie, Bull Durham, of course. Yep, yep. And uh, it um, may be the Charlotte Knights, which are the White Sox AAA team. Ooh. So that's so, that's actually a level up. I mean, you're seeing what class A ball for the most this, part. This right? is A ball. Yeah. This yeah. is this is <laughs> these guys are terrible. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's for the love of the game. But it was, you know, I love the minor league experience. People are there because it's they love baseball as much as the guys playing, and um, they they do all kinds of silly the T Rex race and the. Um, the spin around the bat, go, you know what I mean? All the silliness you can do. And then the kids are running the bases and there's silly um, mascots running. It's awesome. It's just so much fun. But we've talked to you about this before. You draw the line at the amount of silliness that you just saw and yeah. what the Savannah Bananas, who sold out here in Las Vegas uh, for two games, what they do. The the, the who? Exactly. The Savannah Bananas. The, the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> Never heard of it. Yeah. Never I, heard of it. I, I knew you would wait, say that. Wait, aren't, aren't those the, the, the guys that if if the batter hits a ball into the stands and a fan catches it, the batter's out? You those are guys? out. Yeah, same same league. Yeah, no. No. And it's the, not baseball, and, and, and my we're, friend. We're the, know, entire team, the entire team will drop their gloves and go into like a Backstreet Boys routine, you know? 
Yeah, all of that. That's all happening. Wayne, Wayne, we've known each other a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I That's know. Not, that, you know my stance on that. It's not baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I got you. Well, uh, so so ballpark chasing, just for those who yeah. aren't aware, because I wasn't, you told me how it all works. Your idea yeah. is you try to get out and get to as many ballparks as you can, and you check them off the list, and you're you're constantly chasing a stadium, chasing a game, right? That's the idea. Fundamentally, but like, so your chase is kind of your deal. Um, there's a group on Facebook called Ballpark Chasers, and there's actually you can go to MLB and order the passport for all of the Major League Baseball teams, and you go to a certain booth at each stadium and get it stamped and get the usher and all that. You hold your ticket and all this kind of stuff. You can do it that way. Or there's a guy I saw on there that I thought was pretty cool. Him and his son, their team is the Atlanta Braves. So they're chasing every away game stadium oh, with wow. the Braves. Wow. So they'll go if the Braves are playing there. Right. So it's going to take them a little while to get their chase done, but that's their chase. You know what I mean? Sure. So what, what does your chase mean to you? You know, where do you want to go see? Do you want to go see every major league team in the summer? Do you want, you know, do you want to, the, your college roommate, you know, do you, are, are you going to meet every year and go to, what's your chase mean to you? Yeah. This all kind of started when I was going to go to spring training and then the players and the owners couldn't figure out who wanted to make more money, crybabies. So they did the lockout and I said, forget it. I'm going to go and see who really wants to play baseball. So I went to all the California league teams, which is a ball teams. So Visalia and Modesto and Fresno and Rancho Cucamonga Stop and Lake Elsinore, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, and minor league baseball. And it just, there's, there's a different feel to it. You know, there's a, a passion to it. And honestly, there's <laughs> an expense. <laughs> it's, it's more accessible. Yeah, it's sure. cost wise. You yeah. know what I mean. I mean, what, let, let's talk about today, tonight's game that you attended. By the way, who? What was the final score and who won? Final score was Myrtle Beach Pelicans six, Fayetteville Woodpeckers one. Doggone it! Wasn't the Peckers yep. night? Was it? So what? It was not the peck. The 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 the, the, the Peckers got sucked. <laughs> yes, they did. So can you talk to me about how much you spent and what you were spending money on yeah. besides that beautiful jersey? Um, we we got really good sick tickets. We were uh, right behind the home team dugout, maybe eight rows back. Okay, fifteen dollars a seat. Wow, fifteen dollars parking was five bucks. Yeah, I'm surprised um, they actually charge. A lot of them don't. Some some don't, but there's a there was a really nice parking structure right next to the stadium, and it's downtown Fayette, so there's not a lot of parking, anyways. Mm-hmm. And then I think um, you know, I mean, the hat like st- hats are forty bucks. I don't care where you go; it's going to be forty bucks for a, a what is this the new narrow new, new era? era. Yeah. Let, let's yeah, see that logo. Can you hold the logo up to the camera? We want to see what With a the, woodpecker logo. Lo- okay. Yeah, that's what that's what a pecker looks like. Stylized pecker right there. <laughs> and so. Then, um, so because they're from Fayette and it's a very military town, they changed the name or at least part of the logo to the 80 deuces, as they called them tonight. So for the Airborne, 82nd Airborne is ah. based out of Fort Bragg. Gotcha. So it's kind of a military green and, you know, whatever they're going to do. But it a lot of military folks were there and you could tell this is how I knew is when we all stood up for the anthem 
they didn't have to tell everybody to take their hat off. They, they just knew. They just knew. You know yeah, what I mean? They just sure. did. Because yeah. <laughs> military thing. I've been to Fayetteville Cause, before. Cause you're, because your commanding officer would have seen you. <laughs> yeah, sure. I had uh, I had our old original Idols tour. When I had that out on the road, we went and played uh, Fayetteville, and we played a big old auditorium that had been there you know, since the 50s, I think. A big, big cavernous mm. building. And no matter how, you know, we sold a bunch of tickets, but it still felt empty because the place held like 20,000 or something. It was crazy. Oh, wow. but, but I remember it being kind of a sleepy little town. Like there wasn't a whole yep. lot going on there. Yeah. Not a whole lot going on. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's it's a normal, regular old southern town. It's like the where the stadium is kind of in the apex of two uh, major railroad lines. So the entire time there were trains coming by and doing switching back. And there's a, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the middle of town, old town South. And yeah, um, everything's real tight on top of each other. And yeah. And if you close your uh, eyes, I can imagine that you probably could almost sense that feeling of what it must've been like to have been in those ballparks back when they were, you know, brand new in the fifties or whatever. And you well, know. this this one was pretty new, and okay. then the the other um, somebody was telling me, and I'll find out. We'll talk about this more, but the Canapolis team has a brand new stadium that's about two years old, and the Greenville team has a stadium that's about a year old, because it's baseball's really big down here. Mm. There are twelve minor league baseball teams in North Carolina alone. Wow. That's a lot of teams. There is, and they love their uh, they love their basketball, of course. But once once the final four is over, they got to have something to root for. Exactly. So go, exactly right. Go get loud for the Peckers. That's what you do. Go get, you know? go, go Peckers. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> so okay, three day weekend. One more time to recap your, your and by the way, hello to Teresa. Is she still behind you there somewhere. Yeah, uh, I, I see the waving hand. Okay, and just uh, for, with all transparency, um, this family was kind of like my. Uh, my adopted family when I was a little guy. Well, not a little guy, but high school. And uh, yeah. Michael's brother and I were kind of running buddies. And so Michael and Teresa and also Annie were all, and Mama and Daddy, were all all part of uh, Wayne's World. Wayne's World. Long, Wayne's long time World. ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's kind of cool. It's like old home week anytime I talk to you. And, uh, you yeah. know, you've, yeah. but you've been on before talking about your suit business and all of that. But this whole thing, this ballpark chasing thing, first of all, it sounds so fun. And secondly, I just feel like I have to live vicariously through you, you know? All right. So don't well, don't hold back details. Well, I want to know things that happen. Can you do that? Yeah. Okay. If if anything if anything comes up. Oh, it will. <laughs> Goober says, hey, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Buy some peanuts. Uh, okay. So where are you tomorrow night? I forget. Uh, tomorrow night in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay. That's, Sunday a, that's actually in Augusta, good. Georgia. Columbia is a nice town. You're going to enjoy yourself there. I know you will. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. And where else? Yeah, Because my, my niece, Katie, lives in Columbia. So a bunch of us are going tomorrow night. And then Sunday, Augusta Green Jackets, which is actually in south carolina because they play in north augusta okay oh and then yeah and then so that's sunday monday canapolis tuesday greenville wednesday myrtle beach every time you say canapolis i I feel like you're saying indianapolis wrong but i know it is canapolis yeah (laughs) c-a-n-n-o-p-o-l-i-s canapolis okay sir well enjoy i'm i gotta tell you i'm jelly i really am i wish i was wearing a pecker's jersey Instead, I'm wearing an Oakland Roots shirt, as you can see. Can you see that? 
Oh my gosh. Look at that. Look at nice. That. Very nice. Repping the home squad hat and shirt, you know? That's nice. Oh, real quick, I got to ask you about this because uh, I know, you know, you're following the story just like I am. Did you see those renderings today? No. Oh. No, I haven't. The pretty pictures that the Oakland A's have released. The pretty pictures, and they've had this once or twice with a bunch of pretty pictures, haven't yeah. they? Yeah, they have. In this pretty picture, <laughs> there's already issues because, one, is it looks like somebody took, uh, when they were talking about redoing the Coliseum, it looks like they uh-huh. took it looks like they took that footprint and then just like pasted it over you know over the Tropicana site and made it look Vegasy, you know? And they have the stadium facing the MGM Grand, which it's not going to do. It, first of all, it's on 9 acres, not not 35 or 55 right. or 100. So, it's basically going to be stuck down in the corner behind uh, one of the towers is going to have to go away so that they can put the stadium there if they do it. And I'm still not sold on the fact that they're going to do it. But that's where it's supposed to be, and it takes up just a part of that entire footprint. Well, in the rendering, it takes up the whole space where the Tropicana is. That's not going to happen. It does. That's not going to happen. No, it yeah. can't happen. It can't happen. They, look, they, they haven't even submitted anything to the legislature. Oh, no, actually, so there, there is language as of today. Yes. You missed okay. that. You were out. You were out getting your pecker on. But you know the the story <laughs> and the language all broke today. So it's actually there for you to read. It's long. It's lengthy, okay. and it's full of no details. That's the thing right. that I think. At the end of the day, every local I talk to is like, "You look. If you're going to use public money, you better come clean here. You better tell us where that money's coming from. Is it going to end up costing me money? Are my property taxes going to go up? Answer these questions. And I know there will be time for public comment." And just reading the tea leaves, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think there's way more people that no, would rather just hang out and wait for an expansion team than try to steal the A's and stick them on nine acres, you know? So we'll see. Well, and, I, and I think I think anybody who's looking at it realistically sees that the John Fisher is a schmuck. You're, you're being kind. Why? <laughs> If, if it was a winner, like the Raiders have some cachet when they move to town. Yeah, well, they already, they, already had fans, like they already had fans in Southern California, so that was easy. Right. So, I mean, they, they have <laughs> they, they bring nothing with them. Right. Except that they're they're chasing the 1898 Cleveland Spiders at this point. You know what I mean? That's about all they got going for. Worst record of all time. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm saying like it's also it's 81 games. It's not uh, eight you know, so there's right. a big difference between football. You can't even compare the two. And I think Allegiant Stadium was smart. And I think the Raiders have found a home. And, you know, even though the crowds tend to be, you know, visiting team fans for the most part, I mean, it is what it is, right? I think this will be even worse in that regard. And I think it'll be empty half the time because on a Tuesday night exactly against the right. Pirates or, you know, the Brewers come to town, they're not going to sell. Tampa. Yeah. Well, right. but their numbers say that they have to sell out pretty much every single game, all 81. And even then, it doesn't add up to the 2.8 million people they say that they're going to get at the ballpark or need to get to be able to uh, break even or make money. So I. You and I remember the days of the Haas family when it was 30,000 every night. Yeah. Easy, Easy. 30,000 every night yeah. for games yeah. because they put a quality product on the field. They weren't taking advantage of the fans, and it was a good time to go. You, you know, just said three things that don't exist with this ownership. And to think it's going to change <laughs> just because they come to Las Vegas in a shiny new stadium. 
Uh, we've already seen what happened when they got their new soccer stadium in San Jose. Fisher and Cavill, those same two guys, basically said, "Oh, well, once the stadiums, but you'll see, we'll we'll start investing in the players." And no, they don't. And and the the team has no, been horrible don't. in that new stadium. So, I, I I hate to tell you, Vegas, but you're you're in for a, a you know a bad ride if this guy comes to town. You just are, and I'm I'm sad about that. It- but look at the pretty pictures. We've seen them before. These are a little different. Interesting, though, is they included all that foul territory that's in the Coliseum, the, the massive foul territory. That everyone hates. But they Everyone hates. Apparently not, because it's in the renderings, Michael. <laughs> it doesn't make the renderings if everybody hates it. <laughs> all right. Well, have fun. Oh, uh, go oh, chase God. some ballparks, okay? I will. So when, when are we going to do this again? Tuesday night. Okay. Yeah. In fact, you'll be following right. you'll be following Mr. Hockey just like you did just now. So pretty much same time on Tuesday. Very cool. All right. Thank you, All sir. Right. Appreciate it. Hi to sis. Okay. Talk to you later, man. Bye, Wayne. Bye, bye. There he goes, Michael Stefanski, the ballpark chaser. Doesn't that sound like a lot of fun? I would just like to. I'm ready to go chase like right now. I think that's what a great way to kill a summer, man. You're just you're out hanging out with the people, and again, it's not about the money. It's about the game. And it's about the fans, and it's about the community. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. Build it, and they will come. Okay, we take a break. A little bit of news coming up in just a minute. And on the other side, something you may have missed last night. We'll tell you all about that coming up. The Wayne Coy Show. In times of economic uncertainty and chaos, your money means nothing. You may not even be able to get it from your bank or ATM. And the money you do have in the stock market will go down and down. What you can bank on is gold and silver. Gold and silver have been a reliable and trusted form of currency for thousands of years. Gold and silver have never been worth zero, and typically gold holds its value during economic turmoil. Call the gold hotline now and learn how to protect your money and your assets with gold and silver. And learn how to set up a new IRA or roll over your current one into a gold-backed IRA. Protect your money from the next market crash with gold and silver. Call now for your free gold guide. 800 557 7921. 800 557 7921. That's 800 557 Buying or selling, we have the team and the tools to work the market so it works for you. We are excited that we're on the Wayne Coy Show. Our results blessed us with the Zillow Flex partnership roughly about two years ago due to our consistent conversion and customer service scores. With conversion, that means we can close. And with our customer service scores, you know you're going to get the best service possible. We're always looking for agents led by mentorship, resources, and experience. We are your guide. Find us. Kirby4U.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y, the number four, the letter U.com. Kirby4U.com or call 702-766-9538. Again, 702-766-9538. 
5338. At the Bagel Cafe, the recipe is simple, good food, and generous portions. Family owned and operated since 1996, the Bagel Cafe is a unique restaurant where you can get anything your appetite desires. From a bagel and a schmear to piled high corned beef on homemade rye, fresh fruit platters and salads, or creamy New York cheesecake. Check them out at thebagelcafelv.com. The Bagel Cafe, where there's something delicious for everyone. Are you worried about your taxes? Okay, so I'm talking to those of you out there that have not filed in a few years with the IRS or state. It's time to get worried, and here's why. The IRS is getting back from their own COVID lockdown, and they're hiring more enforcers, and they're going to come after people that owe taxes. So if you're a 1099 worker, and maybe you just plain forgot to file your taxes, you need to call the professionals right now at the tax helpline. They are experts at knowing the tax regulations and their goal is to help you pay as little as possible. Call right now and get a 100% free tax evaluation. Remember, before the IRS knocks on your door, knock on our door. If you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes, make this free call right now. Call taxes 321 now at 800-203-3517. 800-203-3517. That's 800-203-3517. Packages start at $29.99 a month with signed agreement. Restrictions apply. Speak to a representative for complete offer details. See Vivint.com for license details. Terms and conditions apply. Homeowners, if you're looking for the best in home security and smart home technology at a price you can actually afford, we have great news. Now you can get Vivint's award-winning home security systems starting at about a dollar a day. U.S. News & World Report has recognized Vivint as the best professionally installed home security system of 2022. And right now, you can get Vivint's home security technology for about a dollar a day. Plus, get free professional installation from a licensed technician. Protect your home and loved ones for as low as a dollar a day. Call right now for your free home security consultation. 800-557-8036. 800-557-8036. 800-557-8036. That's 800-557-8036. Hey there, it's Wayne Coy. If you're a real estate investor or you're looking to buy an investment property, well, you need to contact Michael Goyanecci at Option Funding. Their well-trained staff can assist you through the financing process and get you the funds that you need. They've got the programs to suit all investors. Now, that includes standard commercial financing, no-income DSCR loans, and hard money, too. You can refinance any existing properties for cash out. Or if you're looking to purchase an investment property, they can get it done for you as well. With rental income on the rise, this is a good time to invest in a rental property. And there are investment opportunities with positive cash flows right here in Nevada and other surrounding states too. They handle single family residences, four units, apartment complexes, and of course, commercial buildings. So give Michael a call at 818-821-7811. That's 818-821-7811 or email MikeGLoans at gmail.com. NMLS 163400. DRE 01342072. NMLS 1444037. DRE 01921141. Now, back to the Wayne Coy Show. Ah, yeah, just getting through on a Friday night with you, and boy, is it fun. I just got asked, where can we keep up on this story? This new stadium, this possible relocation of the Oakland A's to Las Vegas. I'll give you a couple places that I highly recommend. It's how I keep up. 
the Las Vegas Independent. First of all, they've been all over the story, broken almost every piece of news that's come out. When they switched sites, we knew about that first from the Independent. Uh, we knew which site they were going to pick first from the Independent. So I strongly suggest them. Uh, they're a great read, and they are on top of the story. All the legislation, really, not just the baseball stuff, but new movie studios and everything else that's potentially going to get voted on before they adjourn here very soon. So that would be one place. The others, I think, would be uh, follow for sure lvsportsbiz.com. My man Alan Snell is over there and does a great job of following the business side of the story. And then if you want to kind of follow along and, and feel like uh, like you live in the Bay Area and you're mad because things aren't going your way, well, join the team. I'm going to scoot over on the bench and let you sit down and recommend that you uh, check out the videos that are made available on YouTube mostly by two guys, Casey Pratt from ABC7 and Brody Brazil from NBC Sports Bay Area. And beyond those two, the DA Show, Damon out of New York City on CBS Radio has, I think, his finger completely on the pulse of all that's happening. However it all should end up, we're definitely going to stay on top of the story ourselves. We're, we're a little bit invested, if you hadn't already figured that out, okay? Sit tight news on the other side of that. A man who has definitely had his passport punched a time or two. Vegas. This is the Wayne Coy Show. Well, yeah, it's one thing to, you know, pack the kids into the station wagon and go take a trip, okay? It's another thing altogether to visit every single country in the world. I mean, that's never been on my list because I didn't think it was even possible, but you know what? It is possible. How you do it with a radio job, though, I don't know, and we're going to get all the answers to all the questions. Look at that guy right there. I, uh... I remember him when he was a teenager. Now look at him. He's all grown up and he's got a gray beard. And <laughs> How are you, Randy? I'm good. This is a new mic. You'll have to tell me if it's if it's working well or not. Well, so, it's um, it's working, but it's a bit distorted. Let's turn it down. Okay. I like the way it looks, so it's got a very classic look to it. How about now? Testing. Oh, testing that's yeah, points. better. It's better. Yeah. We good? Yeah, well, it's still a little distorted, but I want a ten out of ten though. I'm a radio guy. Okay, well, we don't 10. have a ten out of ten yet, so let's let's keep messing. Go ahead, do what you need to do. Is there another setting? Go. One, two, three. Check. <laughs> test. 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 Bring it up a little. Okay. Good? Yeah. Let me hear you more. A little bit more. All right. Here we go. Testing. One, two, three, four. Yeah. Five. Very good. Almost, okay. almost like you've you've done this before. Time or two. Uh, if you know the name R-Dub, you know it's because slow jams on Sunday night is a tradition for what now is generations. It was a generation, but now you've been on long enough that the kids are listening, you know, from their parents getting them into the habit when they were younger. How long have you been doing that show? It's wild. Uh, since I was 16 years old, 1994. Right. 
And uh, never in a million years would I think that uh, the show would be on, you know, 200 radio stations and, and 17 countries, but it is. And I'm, I'm super grateful and thankful. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's my baby. It's my passion. I play uh, love songs and, uh, and dedications and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, like old school Casey Case. Some people call from, from different, uh, areas of the country and we connect them and bring them together. And it's, uh, it's an amazing thing. I don't think Casey ever took calls though, did he? You know, he did. He didn't take calls, but he did long distance. He did long distance dedications. So, um, you know, props to Casey and Art LeBeau and Delilah and all the all the people that you know blazed those trails for me to uh, to 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 follow their footsteps. And the cool thing is, because you got started so young, I mean, you could literally do this for you know another twenty five, thirty years if you wanted to. I don't know if you want to. I hope you I do. Sure hope. I, I, we're going to ride till the wheels fall off, Wayne. I know. love that. All right. Okay. Well, then, uh, voyage to Atlantis for Nancy. If you could do that this coming good, weekend, good choice. I Thank love you. it. That's a, that's a that's a that's a uh, turn off the lights, make some babies kind of song. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. So, is this the the way you fell into this whole traveling all around the world thing? Was it because you had to go check on your affiliates to see if they were clearing your commercials? <laughs> it's funny. You something you said when you opened the show was you did not know it was possible. To see every country in the world, I, I don't think, think a lot of people know that. I, I, I certainly didn't back in the day. Uh, and, and when I say back in the day, I mean not too long ago. If you would have told me, "Hey, you want to go to Iraq?" I would have said, "Are you crazy? There's no way." And you know what, Wayne? You jump into it and you find out that not only can you pretty much go anywhere, but when you get there, the folks aren't waiting to kill you. They're actually opening their arms and their house and their and their uh, their doors to you. And it's, uh, I tell you what, man, I've, I'm, I've become a different person because of it. Um, and, but it's so interesting. You kicked off the show that way because I was, I was right there. I'm like, Oh, there's no way you, you can't go to every country. It's impossible. Yeah. But you can, which you are now living proof. And now I read that depending on your, uh, I guess your definition of how many countries there are, you defined it by UN, right? United Nations countries. Yeah, I mean, there's a few different lists. The, the the biggest standard list is 193, 195 if you count Kosovo and Palestine. Some people do 197. But, you know, and by the way, I've, I've been to those extra ones. Um, but between 193 and 197, there are 193 fully recognized UN countries today uh, on planet Earth. Uh, but then there's some lists that count territories. You know, they would count, for example, Puerto Rico and um, Wales or Scotland or Greenland's a good one. Some people count that as a country. Uh, but in fact, Greenland is part of Denmark. So did not know a lot that. of those. Huh. OK, so yeah. wh- which was first? Wh- where did you go first? Well, when I was a kid, you know, Mexico, obviously, right? Where m- most of us, that's our first, our first country. That's right. And, you're uh, in Tucson, of course. Yeah. You didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't get the travel bug till decades and decades later. Um, uh, but my, my first, my first trip that really flipped my lid was a trip to Brazil when I was a young man. And, um, yeah, uh, th- that was just wow. And so my first, I really love Latin America. I loved everything about it, the music, the culture, the food. And so my first um, little challenge was, you know what? I want to see all of Latin America, all of Central and South America by the time I turn uh, 40 years old. And um, and I left, wow. uh, as luck would have it, uh, bad luck. I left Venezuela to the very end. And so here I am at 39 and Venezuela's imploding with food riots and shortages and kidnappings. And I, oh, crap, I got to go to Venezuela and, uh, and I did, I got that in by the time I turned 40 and, um, there's a couple, uh, 
very bizarre countries in South America. For example, Wayne, do you know that that there's a country in South America in the Amazon whose official language is Dutch? Did you know that? No. I know in South Africa they speak uh, Afrikaans, which is Dutch, or started off being Dutch, right? Correct. But we're talking South America. We're talking. That's crazy. You're sandwiched in between Venezuela and Brazil, and all of a sudden you've got people speaking Dutch. So I, I quickly became attracted to the bazaar. By the way, that's Suriname, previously known as Dutch Guiana, and uh, it's in South it's in South America. And these guys speak Dutch. There's not a lick of Spanish spoken in the entire country of Suriname. So that was one of the countries that kind of got me hot for you know the more bizarre unknown places. In fact, when people enter my office and see a giant map, I always have fun with them. And I say, hey, I'll give you a prize. If you can find Suriname on the map, you've got 30 seconds. Go. And the confusion comes over their face. I've never even heard of it, let alone could find it. They're going to South Asia and, and Africa and the Middle East. And sure enough, it's right next to Brazil. So it's just little things like that. But I, you know, one of the things I've become obsessed with are the bizarre countries. And these are complete countries with economies and political systems and, and traditions that most Americans, including myself beforehand, had never even heard of. And they exist. And to me, that's just wild to be, to be someplace where 99% of Americans haven't even heard of. Yeah. Like Suriname, for example. Suriname. They haven't even heard of it. All right. So when you get the list in front of you, what what makes you choose? Okay, this we'll do this one. You know, uh, you usually I you know they're all done now, right? But but in 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 checking them all off, and it took me about ten years, you know, hot and heavy to you know press the accelerator. I think I was at maybe like thirty five countries about ten years ago. <laughs> so I got about one hundred and sixty done in ten years. And um, what I would do is I would look for a country that really inspires me, like Myanmar. Uh, which I thought was just a re- before and after. I thought it was, hey, this is a really cool, interesting place, uh, Myanmar. And then I'd say, okay, I'm, I'm going to take two weeks off. What's around Myanmar? And then it's a jigsaw puzzle. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go to Laos and Cambodia and, uh, you know, uh, Vietnam and Myanmar. And, um, it's fun and, and it's difficult. And, you know, a lot of people assume that. Uh, every country is connected to every other country, and that's not true. Yeah. Um, sometimes if you want to go from A to B, you have to go all the way to J first to get back to B. Yeah. Uh, I use a big spreadsheet and a lot of miles, and um, it's uh, it's the travel nerd in me. But putting together these trips beforehand have been almost as fun as actually getting there. Oh, so you're answering my next question, which is who does the preparation? It's not a travel agent. It's Randy. no. No, no, I rare. I don't think I've ever used a travel agent. Sometimes I'll use tour guides in a region if it's a sketchy region. Uh, but no, it's me, and and it's uh, you know usually um I'll have three or four trips in the hopper, so I will schedule out as far as the airlines will let me. Uh, you know, book a ticket. But again, that's that's half the fun. In uh, in December, I saw nine new countries, and they were all in the Pacific. Extremely challenging, and had just one of those flights uh, been severely delayed or canceled, it would have blown the whole thing up. So I've really I've really gotten lucky. Has that ever happened? We got a cancellation that just messed up the whole trip. Luckily, I've man, let me tell you, like maybe once in the entire travel career, I've skated by some serious disasters, (laughs) including traveling during uh, coronavirus. I was back in the air in June of 2020, actually going into Europe, gallivanting around the uh, the EU um, during all those lockdowns, and it was uh, it was it was pretty incredible. And you were able to do that even though there was a lockdown. 
They said, sure, come on. You're that guy. I, uh, I, I sent a, uh, there was an exception. I sent a note to the fine folks at the Hungarian police department and said, Hey, I have a business meeting. Can I, uh, can I qualify for your exemption? And they said, sure. Here's a, here's a letter. Here's a piece of paper. And I'm like, wow. Okay. And I went to LAX and boarded my Lufthansa plane. They almost didn't let me on. They said, well, you're stopping in Munich first. Germany's not going to let you in. And I begged and I pleaded. And the lady finally let me on the plane. And again, I got there by the skin of my teeth. And to be in Europe in June of 2020, uh, you know, a couple of critics said, hey, that's pretty selfish of you. But I socially distanced and I wore my mask. And uh, I was able to see some some places you'd normally be elbow to elbow with people because it's it's summertime in Europe. I was there by myself. You had it, it all to yourself. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, did, how do you do this? I, that's the part, I guess. And I said this last hour, how, how do you pull this off and you have a day job? Um, you know, uh, well, geez, uh, I don't have, I don't have kids, right? So yeah. that frees up a lot of money and time and I negotiate a heck of a lot of, of vacation. Really, it's, it's about negotiation. Hey, okay. You don't want to give me a raise this year? Well, I'll take another week of vacation. So, you know, do that for a few years. I've been with my company 12 years. They're fantastic. Not everyone has the luxury I do. Um, but however, um, you know, I've, I've come to find out that, um, vacation time is, is something you many times can negotiate. These companies don't want to pay any money these days, Wayne. So, you know, if you're going to take the time and we don't have to pay you. Yeah. Go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that, no, that's it. And I, I squeeze every single day, uh, really every hour. I'm a, I'm a miser. I, 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 you know, some people pinch pennies. I pinch my, my vacation days and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's become a game and a strategy to me. And you must have a great and very understanding assistant is what I would guess. I have amazing people at work that, uh, I wouldn't be able to leave if it wasn't for just a phenomenal team that, that holds it all together. Isn't that cool? So, yeah. I mean, so you, you hired with that in mind. I want people that are going to be me when I can't be. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. So did you have a favorite country now that you've been to all of them? I have a top three. Um, the favorite will always have to go to Brazil because it's the only place that I, that I moved to. I, I quit my job when I was 30 and sold my car and kissed my mom goodbye and, and moved, moved to Brazil. So it's the only country that I've actually kind of left everything for. And, and, and I still have a house in Brazil. Number two would be the Philippines. Oh, wow. So I'm really excited about going back to these places. Uh, you know, Philippines, I won't only spend a, you know, collectively two or three or four nights there. So now I'm going to go back for weeks. Take boxes. Don't forget your boxes. What's that? When you go to the Philippines, you got to send back some boxes. You didn't know that? Send boxes. Yeah, you got to send boxes to your friends or your family. And in, in this case, yeah, you met people when you were there, right? Yes. Yeah, you put some treats and some presents and things in boxes and ship them ahead. To Philippines yes. or to my folks? No, to really? the Philippines, yeah. And they'll be happy you that you me- did that. You're giving me work to do now. Okay, you'll have to tell me about that. <laughs> All right. Um, and then uh, Turkmenistan, number three. I was wondering if it made the list, and it did. Okay, you were just there. To, I'm going to find a way. To, I'm going to find a way to live there, Wayne. I really am. It was really, incredible. I yeah. love the mall that uh, with all the gold and everything, but it did look empty. It looked like nobody was there. So I had some. I made a lot of friends in Turkmenistan, and they replied to that um, that Insta story or that post and said, uh, you got to understand, Turkmenistan, they're very traditional. It, it reminds me of the United States maybe in the 40s or the 50s, um, you know, where the wife works at the house and the dad goes to work um, and everyone dresses so properly. And they all talk uh, like this, see? Okay. <laughs> so, I, But they wrote me and they said, hey, they said, um, 
no one's here because you're there at 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. We're all working. And I said, oh, that's a novel concept. I guess that kind of makes sense. They're at, they're at work. Right. So, yeah. So that was the reason why. If you'd gone back in a few hours after work, the place had been popping. According to the Turkmen, yes. Okay. What language do they speak there? So they, they speak uh, half of them, or they speak two languages, Turkmen and then Russian, because it's a former former Soviet uh, uh, possession or, ah. or state. So, yeah. Now, have you in your travels uh, learned other languages, or do you just speak English the whole way through? Yeah, so I learned Spanish and, and Portuguese, and I was uh, just gaga over Brazil, as I mentioned a long time ago, so I was all in. So I, I, I went to school and studied Portuguese and at the University of Arizona. Um, I'm, I'm still not up to par. I'm not fantastic at it, but yeah, no, I could, I could get around in Spanish and Portuguese. And it's super fun going to some of these African nations that are former, uh, Portuguese colonies. It actually kind of blows your mind. Like, wait a minute. I'm in Africa. I'm speaking with the locals, their local language, which is Portuguese. And, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Did you get waxed while you were there? In Brazil? Yeah, of course. Of course, absolutely. You can't go to Brazil and not get waxed. <laughs> not get absolutely. waxed. You have to do that. So what's next? I mean, you're, I, I've already figured out you're a guy who's got to have a challenge. I bought your book, by the way, which was fantastic. Thanks for writing it. Yeah, um, awesome. still haven't figured out how to do it yet, but we'll get there maybe. Okay. And then I, I saw you on Shark Tank. So I know you got your hands in lots and lots of pies, slow jams being the one that, uh, I think uh, everybody already knows you for, but we're going to know you for something else. I just know that. So what, what is it? What are you going to do next? Can you, can you see the screen behind me? I do. What's, yeah. What's it says slow jams. No, well, <laughs> slow jamistan. Yes. Uh, so I, so the, the headline is I ran out of countries, so I made my own. I annexed 11 acres in the California desert and I declared independence. So I am now Sultan of my own Republic. It is Sultan. called the Republic of Slow Jamistan. We have over 1600 <laughs> citizens. We have our own national anthem. It's very catchy, by the way. We have passports. We have money. We have currency. Uh, we have laws. We have a border gate. We have a, we have border agents. Um, so I, I'm having a ton of fun. And before you say, Hey, this guy has lost his marbles. <laughs> there is a hobby in the U S and actually around the world called micro nationalism. And it's usually eccentric middle-aged guys like me that decide to take a piece of property and call it our own country. I'm certainly not the, uh, the, the inventor of this. And I've decided to uh, to enter that arena. So I have my own country, and I'm having just a blast at 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 being being the ruler of my nation. Have the Oakland A's talked to you about moving there? That would be that's, that'd be a great economy stimulant. The slow right Jamistan Athletics. Why not? I'm in the red right now. I got to get in the black. Now, so. so you said 1,600 people. Did they did they have a a voice in this at all, or were they just told? I, we know you used to live in <laughs> Borax or whatever. Now you live in Slojamistan. You know, I put a I put a sign up in the desert about a year and a half ago, and uh, <laughs> and just a big giant green sign that says, you know, Republic of Slojamistan. And then I just sat back and I just watched. And of course, we built a website, and the the number of people, not just around the 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 globe, the the country, but the globe that has found Slojamistan. And wanted to be a part of it. Now, if this was an all slow Jamistan, um, uh, uh, special here, I would be in my Sultan costume and I'd be speaking in my Sultan accent. You're get you're getting a little behind the scenes treat here. Wow. And I'll tell you the thing about slow Jamistan is that honestly, at the end of the day, I think it came at the right time. People need an escape. 
from the drama and the fighting and the uh, the division. Division, yes. Oh, it's been so tough. And you know what? You can go to Slow Jamistan, and we don't really talk about politics. We talk about our own politics and our own funny, silly laws, including the uh, the prohibition of Crocs. You're not allowed to wear Crocs they're, footwear. They're actually illegal? They're absolutely. They're the foundation which we lie upon, and you, you're severely punished if you try to uh, come with Crocs across our, uh, our, our lines. What about but, Hey Dudes? Uh, Can we get in with those? What are they called? Which hey ones? Dudes? What are those? They're similar, very light, uh, comfortable shoes. I'll but, they don't, have an emer- but they don't have holes in them like, like Crocs do. I will have an emergency parliament meeting tomorrow and discuss, <laughs> and I'll get back to you. But no, look, Wayne, Slow Jamistan is what people make it, and people have just jumped in, and you know, you can, you know, for a small fee, you can name a state in Slow Jamistan, you can be a member of parliament. People buy passports. It's silly and it's a lot of fun. I love it. I love it so much. I love it with a capital L. That's how much I love it. Yeah. I got to visit. Where is it? What? How do I get there? Is it on the Absolutely. map? So if you go to slowjamistan.org, slowjamistan.org, the, the coordinates are there. It's about an hour south of the Salton Sea in Imperial County, California, a really cool area of Southern California, about 40 miles north of Old Mexico. And yeah, it's a little getting a little hot right now, but we do have events. We had a a sitting president visit us uh, two weekends ago, so we're having fun. It's a blast. That's right. You know all the muckety mucks now. You've been everywhere. Yeah, I'm working on it. You're like that Johnny Cash song, "Come to Life," right? Yeah, that's me. Okay. Well, Ramblin' Dash Randy at Ramblin' Dash Randy. Is that the best way for people to keep up with you and what you do? No, did I type that or did you? No, I did. Best. It's my bad. Okay. Is that That's the not is, my handle? Not not using that one. Okay, I'm all over the place. But uh, you can go to ramblinrandy.com is my my travel blog. Um, some guy in Texas owns that handle. I tried to buy it from him. He wasn't interested. Well, so. we were on your YouTube channel, and that's that's what it said. It said at Ramblin Dash Randy. Uh, you know, on, you know, YouTube. You're right. I'm all over the place. I'm failing promotions 101 with all the different <laughs> handles all over the place. Uh, but um, the website is Ramblin Randy. You can see all. You can see my trip to North Korea and um, you know some of these crazier places. And uh, you know, we have travel tips. It's uh, you know, I'd love for you to come along and, and check some of that stuff out. Going to check it all out. Thank you for your time, sir. I just been fascinated following the story and to be able to get it up uh, firsthand here right out of your mouth that's awesome keep up the good work thanks for having me appreciate it hi there this is kirby scofield scofield realty here in las vegas real estate is always changing be it a buyer's market a seller's market at scofield realty it's your market buying or selling we have the team and the tools to work the market so it works for you we are excited that we're on the wayne coy show our results blessed us with the zillow flex partnership roughly about two years ago due to our consistent conversion and customer service scores. With conversion, that means we can close. And with our customer service scores, you know you're going to get the best service possible. We're always looking for agents led by mentorship, resources, and experience. We are your guide. Find us. Kirby4u.com. That's K-I-R-B-Y, the number four, the letter U, dot com. Kirby4u.com or call 702-766-9538. Again, 702-766-9538. Hey, listen to this. Share Life Vacations has a special treat for you. It's a free three-day, two-night getaway to either magical Orlando or exciting Las Vegas. It's your choice. 
absolutely no strings attached. ShareLife will also include a second vacation to your choice of over 30 additional popular resort destinations. Now, we can't give everyone a fantastic prize package like this, so to make it fair, we're going to ask you a trivia question. You get it right, you'll win it all. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. This movie is about a British Secret Service agent who is frozen in time in the 1960s. Was that movie Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery? Press 1. Diamonds are forever. Press 2. Lethal weapon. Press 3. Got it? Well, then call 855-301-8586. 855-301-8586. That's 855-301-8586. Hey there, it's Wayne Coy. If you're a real estate investor or you're looking to buy an investment property, well, you need to contact Michael Goyaneci at Option Funding. Their well-trained staff can assist you through the financing process and get you the funds that you need. They've got the programs to suit all investors. Now, that includes standard commercial financing, no-income DSCR loans, and hard money, too. You can refinance any existing properties for cash out. Or if you're looking to purchase an investment property, they can get it done for you as well. With rental income on the rise, this is a good time to invest in a rental property. And there are investment opportunities with positive cash flows right here in Nevada and other surrounding states too. They handle single family residences, four units, apartment complexes, and of course, commercial buildings. So give Michael a call at 818-821-7811. That's 818-821-7811 or email mikegloans at gmail.com nmls 163400 dre 01342072 nmls 1444037 dre 01921141 live from las vegas this is the wayne coy show yeah it is okay welcome to uh the monday edition which means we get to go live all over the world all at once together from one little room in las vegas nevada nice to have you here and alongside John Caparulo, otherwise known as uh, as Cap. Hey, Cap, how you doing? Uh, I've been a fan since, uh, geez, 06, 07, somewhere okay. in there. Okay. When did you actually start? Well, I, I started doing stand-up in 97. Well, I always say that's officially, I mean, because I, 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 I dipped my toe in the water in like 94, but that was... Uh, I I quickly retreated. <laughs> and, uh, he said, "Oh no, not yeah, yet." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always tell you the only thing I remember from that set was uh, uh, I would I don't even remember what I was talking about on stage. I just remember some guy in the back yelling, "Who cares?" And uh, that guy is still lives inside my head when I'm on stage. Every so, now in a blue, yeah. Because if I'm up there and I mean nobody's laughing for a while. I'm like, the who cares guy is going to come back, so yeah, I better yeah. say something funny. So, uh, so did you start in Ohio? Is that? Yeah, yeah, I started. Well, I, I was, it, it was still finishing up college at Kent State. So, uh, I was between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Uh, it ended up being mostly Pittsburgh because there was a club there. This, it, it was a funny bone that's not there anymore. Uh, it was, uh, I used to go there like Tuesday night open mics. Yeah. Uh, when I was, so it was like for the first like year and a half of doing stand up, it was just basically, it was pretty sparse. If I could get three or four sets in a month, you know, back then it was, I was doing well. That's and, key uh, for you guys too, right? To get as much time absolutely. on a mic, especially early on. You as have you can. to, because it, it, there's just no substitute for stage time as, as a comedian. Cause you just, uh, um, the more you go up there and more you make that, you know, the stage kind of your home. Is uh, it's just it's just important so that you're yeah. 
you know, you're in your element and uh, it's not going to be your element until you're used to it. And right. uh, so, um, yeah, so that was, I did that for like a year and a half, almost two years. And then I moved to L.A. in 99. So, yeah. Once you do that, that's like, OK, we're getting serious, right? Yeah. Well, uh-huh. yeah, um, it would. I Yes and no, I guess. I don't know, because like, I, I, I had a lot of friends back then, like the other comics and, you know, at the Pittsburgh Club, especially who were like. You know, I want to, I want to, they'd always say, I want to hone my craft for a while and then I'll go to LA. And, you know, I, I didn't know this at the time. I just thought, like, for me, it was like, you know, I wanted to go to LA because it sounded like a, um, a fun challenge and adventure. And plus, I hated the idea of like trying to like, uh, uh, I guess, I guess, uh, develop as a comedian too close to home because yeah. i didn't want anybody i knew coming to the show and watching me suck sure so, yeah, sure yeah it was just like it just seemed like it was it, it, it seemed more attractive to go you know what i'm gonna go to los angeles and then i don't have to feel bad about being surrounded by all my friends who like got real jobs and stuff you know because <laughs> i you know i was everybody else is a loser there too so yeah, yeah, sure. we're all just trying to you know we're just we're just artists you know trying to uh, uh pursue a dream so um uh, yeah, it, it, but, you know, going to LA as early as I did, I thought that was good because I think, you know, it, I, I didn't have a chance to start to, to like develop any sort of, uh, like an ego or, or an expectation, you know, like, yeah. cause I saw a lot of guys surrounded like, by that though. Well, I mean, cause like a lot of guys would go to LA after they'd worked the road for a few years. And then it's like, no matter what you've done before you went to LA, you still got to start at the bottom. So it's like, yeah. you know, drawing, you know, numbers out of a hat to get three minutes of stage time, you know, it's just not something you're going to want to do when you're 30, you know, whereas when I was, you know, 23, 24, yeah. I didn't care, you know, and, uh, yeah, you I, weren't married then. You had no kids. Right. I, you I, had a dog. I, I remember. I, I, you know, I didn't even have a dog yet. You didn't so, have the dog. Yeah. I, okay. I had, I had a bunch of nothing. <laughs> so, uh, uh-huh. I was, uh, I just had a, I had a really good friend, uh, who, who moved out there with me. So I wasn't all by myself, which was really key for me. It was, uh, but I, you know, other than that, I had no ties. So what um, did he do or she, you know, he was just really just uh, wanting to go out there to, you know, see what he could get into. He had graduated from college, too. And and he was just like, you know, heard you were going go and, and said and get a job. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. You know, honestly, it was his idea. And, uh, hmm. uh, you know, he brought it up. And I remember he brought it up at the right time, too, because I remember I was working a temp job. Uh, for as, as seasonal Christmas help for Joanne Fabrics, <laughs> and I'd be there at like six a.m. And I mean, I'm dry. It's dark and it's cold and it just hurts and I'm depressed. And you and know, you're looking he, at pallets he, of fabric. You know, he called me and said, "Yeah, when are we going to L.A.?" And I'm like, "That sounds like a fantastic idea, sir." Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was really that uh, that simple. So it was just like, all right, you know, save up some money, we'll go. We left uh, like less than a year later, and um. Is yeah. he still there? He's not. He, he's moved around a few places. I think okay. he, he's uh, right now. He's in uh, uh, DC area. So. Is he uh, g- like a general manager at Joanne Fabrics now? Or? <laughs> no, he didn't work at Joanne Fabrics. Oh, gotcha. He was actually in Pittsburgh. He graduated from Duquesne, and I and we were just still best friends from like you know uh, uh, high school years. Sure. So um, he just, uh, but it was really good that I had Timmy there to you know uh, uh, to lean on. Cap and Timmy, who was paying the bills? You know what? Timmy did a lot, man. I mean, he really did. Cause I, 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 um, you know, I didn't, <laughs> my grass cutting job, it didn't really, you know, I, I could barely get by on that. Plus, you know, uh, plus I had a lot of hours cut cause I was late. 
all the time. And, uh, sure. you know, but I, I, you know, I, that, and I worked the door at the comedy store at night too. So, right. And so back that's, then, I don't know how they got away with it because we didn't even get paid by the hour. I, I got 25 bucks no matter how long I was there. <laughs> that was your nightly pay, no matter My what. Nightly pay working the Did door. they know that you were a comic looking for stage time when that's you were working the door? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a requirement of the comic. It is. Store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You okay. have to be a comedian who's, you know, you big enough been, to kick somebody's ass. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> they, they had, well, for a while there, they had security that could do that, like other security besides, you know, us little weaklings at the door, but, uh, and then after a while, they got rid of him, and it was, I guess it was on us. But I'd shut up if you cops. came over and told me to shut up. I, you know what? I was I was fortunate enough. They put me at the back door of, the, so I wasn't the guy like seating people in the original room, like where you. I did that a few times, like in the main room, like on New Year's and things like that. But I, I didn't have to do the, you know, I didn't have to do the front door stuff, which is usually the guy who would go tell people to shut up. I basically yeah. worked the back door, which is the back hallway. Oh, that's so, just take money for, and let people I in. I IDs for people who were going to the show upstairs. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, it was humiliating at times. I, I, I mean, I always tell me, like, I, I did a show one Friday night. Like, I was, I would always change my shirt. Like, you know, so I wasn't in my uniform anymore. Sure. Like, and, uh, I, uh, I, I, I did a, it, there was a show going up in the belly room upstairs and I, I, you know, I, I, the guy or the, the woman running the show comes down to get me, says, you want to come up and do some time? I go up and, I had a great set. Like, I mean, I was floating when I come back downstairs. Yeah. And, uh, it's a Friday night. It was a great crowd. And I get on stage and I come back down and the, ma- the night manager's like, he's like, Hey, Cap, are you done upstairs? Cause the ladies room toilet backed up and it's flooding into the hallway right <laughs> How now. How demeaning so after that like, great she set. He gives me a mop and I'm like, I have to, I'm mopping the hallway as the people who just watched me upstairs, like girls, like they're, like they're walking by going, Hey, you were really funny. Uh, and I'm like, thanks. That's, that's not my pee yeah. you're walking through, but, uh, <laughs> thank you. And it was, uh, it, it was, it, it, it's one of those experiences that, you know, it, nobody's crazy enough to like it while it's happening, but sure. it's really, really, you know, one that you're thankful you had after you've been through it. Yeah. It really was important. To so that was the entree me. more so than doing anything you did on the road when you were in Ohio. Yeah, yeah? yeah, I barely worked the road at all before, you know, I went to L.A. It was, you know, it was just basically... Did you like, work for John Yoder? Uh, no. You ever hear of him? No. Oh, he was the guy out of Michigan that would take comics, shove them in their car. They would drive like 14 hours. Right. I to heard get paid like, some other guys like that did it like in the, in the Northwest and yeah. things like that. And I, fortunately, I never really went through that. Like, I didn't really go work the road until, uh, uh, like I'd, I'd been on TV a little bit. Oh, okay. And then once I was on TV, it, you know, I, you know, it was kind of like, all right, well, I, I should probably do this. <laughs> Cause what was, was the TV debut for you? TV debut was, um, uh, the late, late show with Craig Kilborn. That's right. Uh, uh, 2003. And, uh, it, it was, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was really cool being on TV and having that video and everything. There was no YouTube at the time or anything like right. that. So it was like, you know, whoever was up watched it, maybe if they had TiVo or whatever at the time. But, you know, it, it just, it, it was, uh, it, it was still like, it was just cool to be on TV, but I think, um, it wasn't until like Chelsea lately and things like that that like and that was something you did a lot. To actually, of. know me from sure. TV, so yeah. You didn't really take her crap, did you? I yeah. Mean, oh yeah. <laughs> Everybody did. Yeah. Okay. As I recall, I seem to I seem to remember you being kind of brave with her a little bit. Well, and I remember thinking, yeah, go Cap, go. 
Maybe when a camera was on. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, now, I, Chelsea was always really, really cool to all of us as far as being liberal with her spotlight. Yeah. She shared it with all of us. And really, that was such a, like a fun way to be on TV versus, you know, like when I went on The Tonight Show, it was such an honor to be on there. But it still wasn't like as, uh, like spontaneous because yeah. you had to, you had to rehearse, you had to do the exact set that you had rehearsed for the producers a bunch of times before you go on. Yeah. And they're, you know, it's, it's, it, they run a real tight ship. Whereas Chelsea show was a lot more loose and, you know, Hey, we're going to talk about these topics. You have jokes for it. Yeah. You go over them with them ahead of time. But if you think of something while you're out there, even better. And Let it if, rip. if you start talking about something, you know, maybe that you wanted to talk about and she starts talking about how fat my neck is, then I guess that joke's out the window. And yeah, I gotta can't can't do head. that one. So yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a, that show was uh, a whole lot of fun. Did you have? Uh, was it Leno or was it Jimmy? Jimmy I, I, I was on when Leno was okay. uh, the host. Yeah, I was on. Uh, I did three times. I did stand up when Leno was hosting, and then uh, one other time I went on there and did like they had like a kind of like a a, a, a panel, kind of like on Chelsea, like a roundtable panel of me and two other comedians. Uh, talking about different topics one time. So four times total on that tonight. Okay. Yeah. So you did it once with Jimmy or it was all Jay? It was all Jay. All Jay. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever worked with Jimmy? No. No. You know, it's weird. After, um, after a few times, like I, I did, uh, like the Tonight Show and things like that, I just, you know, I, I always had to sort of, uh, censor myself and edit the way I usually do my stand up. Cause sure. I mean, if you ever seen my stand up live, I, I like to cuss a lot. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was so, thinking, I go, I said, I know he's done radio before, but, um, we'll see. I didn't yeah. know how good of a self editor you, cause now you're podcasting and you can let it rip. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah. the thing is, I've always been able to like, okay, we're just having a conversation right yeah. now. And it's like, okay, we, I, you know, I, I can manage to talk with, cause I feel like if I were to cuss right now, it would be the type of thing that <laughs> it wouldn't help the comedy right now. Cause it'd be right. like, Hey, you're not supposed to do that. So. Sure. I can edit myself then, but it's like when I'm doing stand-up bits that I'm used to doing nightly at, at, at a club. You got to you got to clean it up, yeah. Bombs and things like that. Because I those first few times you look back and see like my first like Kilborn spot or whatever, like you know you can see like it's so it's almost annoying how much I say the word all right because <laughs> I was trying to like fill in the spots where the customers where the f bombs are supposed where, to go. Yeah, I was just because it's almost like trying to keep your balance. You know, linguistically. So, uh, you know, you, you, you trip all over yourself when you're, I'm used to saying, you know, F in this or, you know, BS here, whatever, GD, can't do it. You know, so it's like, it's, you have to figure out something else to keep the rhythm the same way and the delivery the same way. So, let's see. I got an example. Let's see if we can catch you saying, what'd you say? All right. All right. Yeah. All right, let's go. Here we have his problem. My cable went out like 10 weeks ago. <laughs> company doesn't care like really like i called him i'm like yeah i got fuzz can you do something well we can't come out tonight <laughs> we can come out on monday between 10 a.m and thursday you're gonna be home <laughs> yeah i'll probably be home but i don't have any tv do you see my problem well maybe it's not your cable then he asks you stupid questions is your tv plugged in i will Stab you! All right, I swear to God. I guess you didn't have to. You didn't have to clean that up. Ever really? You plug it in once and it stays that way till you move. All right, you don't have to plug it. There could be a nest of possums behind my TV. I wouldn't know it because I don't go back there. Yeah, I was gonna turn it off with the remote, but then I thought, you know what? It might turn on by itself. So I thought I'd go ahead and unplug it to quell that storm. All right, yeah, I'm I'm retarded. I don't know if I mentioned that when I called. I gotta go to my friend's house. Yeah, it was okay. Dude, 
I go to my friends. All my friends do is watch porn. <laughs> what is it with guys? I'm all for porn, but don't share it. <laughs> I go to my friends like, dude, I got this killer new porn. You want to watch it? <laughs> Not together. Really? That's, uh, that's, that's weird. Dude. What's that going to do for our relationship? Uh, and, now, would this be, would this right be akin, uh, John, to, to like a musician who had a record out 10 years ago and then hears it being played on the radio? If you hear a bit like that, do you, do you immediately conjure up where you were, what you're thinking, what you're doing? Or is it like, wow, I forgot I ever did that? Some of it you forget you ever did it, uh, you know, because it's weird because, you know, I'll have people come to my shows who are like, you know, have been fans for a long time or whatever. And they'll they'll, you know, either they'll want me to do a certain bit that I did back then or or it's they, like playing you know, Freebird. Right. And, and it, but it's it's not because it's not music where it's like, you know, I mean, no matter how much you love it. It's not going to be the same because it's not going to hit you the same. It yeah. just, and I'm not going to deliver it knowing, especially knowing that you already know it. It just feels stupid because it's like, <laughs> why am I going to tell you this story that you already know the outcome uh, to? Yeah. It, it just feels weird. So I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, but a lot of it, yeah, it's like, I don't, uh, I don't remember because it's like, you know, I don't watch it. Like, yeah. I, it's not like I sit around. Sit around in my house watching me. Yes. You know, right. Uh, so I'll forget a lot of it. And it's funny because like, you know, my second special, my second hour special I did, like, I was thinking about, like, the closer I did about, uh, uh, tandem skydiving. And I mean, I used to close my set probably for about three or four years straight with that bit. Yeah. And I got to the point where I was, I was so sick of that bit, but now I couldn't, I probably couldn't do it if you asked Even me if to. you wanted to. Cause I, I don't remember all the, like, the beats. I remember the story, but I don't remember all, like, the little punchlines and stuff like that I had back then because. Sure. I haven't done it in so long and I, I can't bear to watch myself. So. You, um, I love to laugh and you make me hurt. Okay. Because <laughs> you'll hit me. I start to go. Then you get me again before I've even caught my breath. Yeah. You're really good at that sort of rapid fire thought upon thought upon thought. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that, that is such a skill set that you have. It's, it's I mean, always been, I mean, that was the way I always, you know, uh, thought of comedy myself and all the, all the, you know, the guys that, you know, uh, I guess I looked up to and, and, you know, it was, it was just, uh, uh, it, it was the, it was the way that I could go on stage and make myself feel the most comfortable, you know, yeah. the who cares guy would be back there yelling if I didn't, if I wasn't getting those rapid fire laughs and make, you know, having people doubled over sure. with, with hysterics. Cause if they didn't, then, you know, it got too quiet and it got too, uh, you know, what am I doing here? <laughs> so, Somebody yeah. described you as, and you tell me whether you agree with this or not. You are a comics comic, like the comedians that are working with you don't leave. Like they stick around and watch your set because they enjoy you and the way you sort of, you, you're, I hate to use the word craft because that sounds, well, you know. it's, a, it's a craft and, I, you know, I, I would love it if that's true. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, no, I've heard, I've heard I, that. You know, I, I, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've heard people say that before, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I just this weekend, I got, Oh, you have a cap on? Yeah. This is three different comedians yeah. who I guarantee you are listening right now. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. they're going to yeah. steal everything, but that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, but you don't look at yourself that way. Well, I don't, I know. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, I, I mean, when I look back, like when, from the time when I started comedy, you know, you just, you're just hoping that like, you know, that, that you can like, I guess, not embarrass yourself, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I hope I'm as good as, you know, my friends and my family have thought I would be, all the people who said, you know, like, you know, you should be a comedian, you know, you're really funny, and it's like, you know, 
but when you first go up there and the first time you do it, it's it's not that easy, and right. it's like you know, frightening. In fact, it, right, and, yeah. and but it's like you know, you hope you can you know reasonably live up to those expectations, but it's like you know, and I feel like I've gotten to a point where yeah, I, I think I've I've ended up being pretty good at this, mm-hmm. but I don't think I ever have gotten to the point where. You know, before I go on on a given night that I think like, oh, I got this figured out, you know, like. Well, they say it's always good to have some butterflies, right? Yeah. Well, you think you should because, I mean, if if you don't care enough to have butterflies, then what are you doing? You know, because it's not it shouldn't be that easy to go up in front of a room full of strangers and try to make them laugh. It should bring you some sort of anxiety. And it's just whether or not you're able to sort of synthesize that anxiety into some funny. Uh-huh. And I, I've managed to do that, I guess, over the course of my career. Um, but do I, I, you know, when I listen to th- that clip that we just listened to, I just, you know, I, I've, I've always thought like, man, it, it's, it's never as good as it was when you performed it. It, you know, like when I remember that, that first Killborn, uh, spot I did, I, you know, I thought I killed it. I thought I had a great set. And I remember I watched it that night, and I, it was just a letdown. I'm like, oh, it's oh, not but you're just being tough around. on yourself. Of course, yeah. uh, but I mean, as, you're just you're never going to be like as satisfied with yourself, or at least I'm not. Like to to watch back or like look back at what you've done or anything like that, and go, oh, man, that was great. Yeah. You know, it's just you know, it, it, it's uh, it's I, I think it goes with the territory of being sort of neurotic and and self deprecating and things like that. It's like you know, I'm, I I think it's awesome that there are people who are who like what I do and are fans of what I do. But man, I you know, I'm just uh, <laughs> I look at it like ah, you could probably find something better to do. <laughs> I, I'm just, yeah, you're selling yourself short. How yeah. many hours a week do you write? Do you think? Um, you know what? That's the thing is like for for me, it's uh, does it come in bunches? Yeah, yeah. yeah it just it's always been like that for me. Where I you know, I'm I have to have sort of some adrenaline going. So a lot of times, like I've written a lot of stuff, whether it's been on stage or just before I go on, you know, like, cause I sort of like finally, you know, have that moment with my own brain trying to go over this, that, and the other thing about what I want to talk about. And like when I have that adrenaline, that sort of nervousness before you go on stage, that's when it starts to sort of kick in and like little punchlines will go through my head and things like that. Yeah, but you can't, you can't use that. I mean, you have to. Yeah. Really? That's usually a lot of times it's like, you know, I, you know, that's wow. what I started doing. Cause I started doing the series, uh, that I've done online caplets, uh, where, you know, I, I, it, it was like, all right, I'm going to do new stuff every 30 days yeah. and, uh, record a new set of it. It's like, a lot of times it's like most of those were like, I wrote it in the car on the way. Yeah. And I, you know, it, it, and you could tell on a lot of them, but, uh, I, you know, it's, it's like, it just would, uh, I'm terrible, especially when it comes to my stand up. I'm terrible at like saying, okay, I'm going to sit down and write, you know, yeah. and, and try to come up with too that, much yeah. of a discipline. It is. It's just like, cause my, the way my delivery is and the way I do stand up, it, it is more sort of, uh, observational riffing. Yeah. It yeah. just, it just sort of like has to come out in a natural way. And then when it comes out the right way, it's like, okay. Try to recapture that and 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 you know sort of mold it and and smooth it out. Do you write it down? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll I always write it like ever since I've had like a you know with the smartphone thing, it's like I've had a thing in my pocket all the time. That Talk I into your phone. Jot down a you know like a a, a topic heading or something like that. Like, but yep. if I actually try to like write it out word for word, forget it. Man, it's I you know 
it, first of all, it's like if I try to repeat that and recite it, I feel like it doesn't sound right. If the audience can smell it. They're like, what do you... <laughs> but you probably just hit on why the comics like you so much. I think maybe there's... There's, they see that, that you can do that, and they can't, and so they're trying to glean from you what that is. That's a, maybe. It's a yeah, way maybe to work, that, I think. That's, uh, and that's, I don't, I mean, like I said, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm glad I have that skill, but a lot of times, I, you know, there are times before I go on stage or before I have a big show or something like that, that I'm like, you know, I wish I wasn't that way. I wish I, <laughs> I wish I was able to do more homework so that, when, you know, I arrived there, I wasn't so sort of stressed out going, man, <laughs> you, why didn't you work on this? Or, you know, why, why didn't you actually, you know, do, and it's, it's because I can't, you know, because it doesn't, doesn't come out the same way, I guess, but yeah, it just, it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I've, I've, you know, I've had some, I guess, natural skills that have really lent themselves to, uh, you know, being successful. And you do it well. Yeah. Who, who did, uh, who did you look up to? Who were the, who were the comics for you growing up where you were like, oh, if I could ever get to that level, yeah, that's, you know. Yeah. And maybe they weren't even super successful, but they made yeah, you laugh. Yeah. I, well, I mean, growing up, I was, uh, the first guy for me was Eddie Murphy. Yeah. I, I mean. Rock star. Yeah. He really was. Cause it, I mean, my dad had Richard Pryor albums and I remember him, you know, listening, I mean, on vinyl, you know, like we were, I remember him like, yeah, I was like four, probably four or five listening to, you know, a couple of those albums with him and, you know, my mom wasn't that happy about him, I bet. letting me listen to that with him. But, you know, I, I liked Richard Pryor, but like, you know, when I remember when Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live, I remember we used to, you know, stay up on Saturday or when we got our first VCR, we used to tape it. Memorize and, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved, you know, everything that was Eddie Murphy on there. And then, uh, you know, I remember my dad taking me to see Beverly Hills Cop. You know, I yeah. like it, like. When I was nine. The first one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I remember he and my mom went and saw it ahead of time to like, well, let's make sure it's okay. And I don't know what they could have possibly been looking for. How many all, F-bombs I, flew? With, yeah. With all yeah. The, the, the foul language, violence, and the nudity in that movie. Sure. It's like, what would you have seen to actually make you go, no, you can't go see that. But um, it was, uh, but yeah. Dad I mean, was going to take you anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, but I was such a big fan of Eddie Murphy. He was such like, he was, a, he was like a superhero to me. Yeah. And, uh. You know, and then uh, when I remember when I rented Delirious for this first time and watched that, you know, just watching a guy talk about his life and his childhood in front of this audience, and, and it just looked so fun. Yeah. It looked like such such an awesome power that he had to, like, hey, come come join me on this little journey through my past or whatever, and and. You know, is that I, what I, lit it for you? Is that what made you say, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to be a comedian? Delirious was, yeah. uh, was really it. Cause yeah. I, I, I just, I was just so, I remember watching it and rewatching it. I just thought it was the greatest thing I ever saw. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, and then later on, I, I remember that, was, uh, you know, I got into, uh, um, Sam Kinison, uh, like probably when I was into like high school, I, I remember, you know, I got his, uh, albums on, on cassette tape. He was like yeah. the kiss of comedy, was, I think. I mean, he was just, <laughs> Boys loved him. Thirteen to sixteen year old boys. Yeah, because yeah. he was doing. He was screaming, right? And swearing. It, 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 it seemed yeah. so. Pri- it was primal. It was very really, primal. Really primal. Yeah. And, and like when you talk about like my sort of thing with the you know rapid fire tags and punchlines and uh-huh. things like that, I feel like you know guys like him are because he just had this ability to to once he hit that sort of wave that crest at the top of his like with his punchline and just wrote it yep. and was just and it was screaming because the scream voice that he had 
is kind of like, you know, I mean, like when people say I have a funny voice, you know, it's kind of like what I've been able to use as my instrument to sort of, you know, like I said, synthesize some funny that just, you know, comes out rapid. Plus, if like we that. hear you, we know it's you. Yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, that's Caparulo. Yeah. You just right. know because the voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just I uh, I love Sam Kinison. I was a I was a big uh, uh, at the same time. I know they hated each other, but Dice Clay, too, because Andrew Dice Clay was huge. In, you know, 89, 90, yeah. you know, around then. And, uh, you're still a teenage boy at this point. Of course. I was yeah. a target audience right there. I mean, yeah, yeah it was, uh, I, you know, and, and so I was, I, I big fan of him. And then Deaf Comedy Jam came out around then. Oh, so I yeah. kept seeing, you know, guys like Eddie Griffin and, and, uh, you know, Chris Rock and, uh, Martin Lawrence was the host. And it was like, these guys were it's a great so time for comedy. Funny. Yeah. And yeah. it was just like, it just watching these guys and they were just, you know, I mean, because I wasn't like, you know, I, I, by then I had pretty much accepted that I wasn't going to be an athlete. Mm -hmm. So, you know, watching these guys be able to do. Did you, wait, did did you try? You played sports? I I, I tried. I mean, by the end of middle school, I was pretty much a given that I wasn't going to be in any organized sports. So I, uh, I mean, I, I was, I, I, I was a big football fan as a kid. My mom always forgot to get the permission slips because I was so small. Um, I, I didn't grow into my fat self till I was 30, but I, uh, oh, okay. Um, you were a little guy. I, I was always very, very small. Yeah. And, uh, and then same thing. Like I fell in love with basketball around fifth grade and, you know, I, you're in Ohio, <laughs> I, man. I, I, no yeah, way. It wasn't happening. Uh-uh. And, uh, so. <laughs> I, uh, right. I, I played four years of organized basketball. It was literally the last minute of our last game I was in during garbage time that yeah. I got a layup. And it was the only time I Did you make it? four years. Yeah. Oh, good yeah, for you. So I averaged a half a point a year. <laughs> but I, uh, um, but I, I, you know, I was, uh, but I, then I got into like martial arts early in high school. It's just, you know, see, I told like, you, you could, you'd make me sit, shut up at the club. You got that look about you. <laughs> that's, that's not on purpose. Yeah. But, I, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, so I, I, but like I said, it was just by the, you know, the time I was in high school, it was like watching, uh, those guys like on Def Jam and things like that. Remember, they used to have like HBO's half hour comedy hour yep. every month. They'd have a new yeah. guy. And, uh, um, you know, just watching. Was Rodney's thing still on or was that over with by then? Rodney Dangerfield special. Yeah, his young that comedians. A, that was the first place I saw Dice. Yeah. You know, cause I remember my, my, we didn't have HBO, like, cause my parents wouldn't pay for it at the time. And my, one of my best friends, he was one of those, it was one of those households that, like, they didn't have milk. <laughs> but they had HBO, but they had HBO Showtime, <laughs> Cinemax, and they're uh, climbing the right. pole. And uh, they, but they had. Uh, I remember he he had he like taped the uh, Dangerfield special. And we I think Kinnison came off over of that and over. Too. He was on the one before that. Yeah, and I hadn't seen that one until later. I've, I've seen it since, but yeah. uh, the first time I saw Kinnison was actually his uh, his first full on HBO special. Okay, and uh, yeah, I saw um, him on tour with Paulie Shore. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, because he he used Peak to take Pauly with him. Yeah. Nineteen ninety hair yeah. bands and mm-hmm. that yeah. comedy man. Yeah, and and just you know, I, the first yeah, the first time I saw Kennison was that uh, that first special where he did uh, like at the end of it he did the piano thing uh-huh. where he was playing a piano. He's like builds up this whole love story and how I want to sing this song and then just starts just rips her apart. Yeah. It. And it was just uh, it was so funny, especially to a you know to a fourteen year old kid. What I'm I mean, saying he was like the kiss of comedy. Of course, and. Yeah. Uh, you know, so and Dice I, too. I, and Dice was, I mean, they were just, they were really, yeah, it was that, it, and I remember at that age when all the people were complaining about Dice and women's groups and things like that, yeah. I had no frame of reference because I was just like, what? It's just a joke. Who cares? Sure. But later on, I realized like, ah, yeah, I can see how people would have a Now you get that. that yeah. yeah. It's like, it, but you know, 
I wrote a rhyme for him and submitted it through his record company. Oh yeah, yeah, because we were I was in music radio, so we got serviced with the Andrew Dice Clay album like we could have ever played it. Yeah, okay, yeah, because the whole thing was beeped. Right, uh, right. But I love the nursery rhymes. Yeah, of course. So I wrote one of those for him, and I sent it to through the label to his manager, and I got a polite note back saying, uh, thank you, but no thank you. Right, right, right. You know? right. But I thought it was pretty good. It was Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Mm-hmm. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses, all the king's men said, hey, who wants an omelet <laughs> with an F-bomb in the middle? Right? <laughs> right. It was I, too cerebral. Uh, yeah, you had to yeah, think right, about right, that. Right. Wait a minute. It's an egg. It got cooked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah he, uh, this is why well, we actually, do radio, John. For, for, <laughs> for me, I, uh, funny enough, like when Dice had, uh, I think it was actually his first album, the first, the, the black one that just said Dice. Dice. On it. Yes. Yeah. I think it was that one. I don't think it was the next one, the day the laughter died. Cause I remember I got that, like, you know, I don't know why the record store sold these things to me. I was only just 15 or sure. whatever, but probably um, got some cigarettes. Too. Yeah. I don't know, but they, they, um, I remember I, I actually joined his fan club. I didn't know, know he had a fan I, club. Right. It was on the inside cover of the thing. And I, and see, he didn't even know either. Cause I, years later I met him, you know, I was, a, it was, I think it was when I was still a, a doorman at the store, you know, and I, um, you know, and, 